0: Welcome in to Outkick the Show, Wednesday edition of the program. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Coming up on the weekend, uh, we are six days away from the midterms. Over the weekend, I will be down in Athens for the big Tennessee-Georgia football game. I will discuss that momentarily coming up, along with several gambling picks to get you ready for the college football weekend. But we begin with a party like it's 1998. The University of Tennessee college football team is number one in the nation for the first time since your boy was 19 years old. All the way back to my sophomore year of college, that is how long and how much time has passed between Tennessee being number one in college football. And there are a lot of people over the years who have told me that it would never happen that Tennessee would never be ranked number one ever again and I got to be honest with you this has been one of the most fun seasons as a sports fan that I can ever remember because my hope coming into this year was that Tennessee would go 9-3 and three. and right now the Tennessee Volunteers are sitting at 8-0 they are number one for the first time since 1998 you have to go a long way back. I had just graduated from high school the last time the Tennessee Volunteers were on a roll like this, the last time they were 8 0 in a season. And I can't tell you, I'm just going to emphasize maybe the greatest fall of my life. Best October in the history of outkick, best Tennessee football season since 1998. Tennessee Titans cruising towards the third straight AFC South Championship. The Red Tsunami going to break in about six days. Got the biggest radio show in the country, Clay and Buck. Thank you, guys. Biggest audience in OutKick history. Still incredibly dashingly handsome and good looking. Still holding it all together perfectly. It is beyond any shadow of a doubt the best fall ever. And if you hate me, I can't even imagine how much angst, how much disdain must be building in your body, how much filled with bile you must be to see me so happy and so successful and so fill, so filled with great energy and vitality. In fact, I got an email today. Uh, And the email was pretty entertaining. Uh, And it was from Kyle Polston. Kyle Polston emailed me today during the radio show. He said, can't wait. Headline of his email, red tsunami, which I agree. Red tsunami's coming. He said, can't wait till Repubs have majority and we can lay blame at your feet for all that ails this country. Interesting. Will you hold Repubs responsible? Or will you somehow convince America that the party not in power is responsible? My money is on later. I would close with you are a liar and I hate you. <laughs> I gotta be honest. Some people say, why do you share the hate? I get way more joy from hate than I do joy from love. I I don't know what that says about me, but I'm the kind of person that would rather be in a crowded arena or stadium and shut the entire place up than I am someone who wants to bathe in adulation. I I, I don't know what it says about me. I mean, my wife says that my superpower is 10 people say awful things about me and I remember the one nice thing and completely forget it. But I'm not going to lie. I would close with you are a liar and I hate you is such a funny final email sentence that I legitimately, it was during a commercial break on the radio show that I was reading it and I legitimately spit out the drink that I was consuming uh, because that was such an unexpected sentence. So Kyle, I know what it's like to be trying to deal with opposition to Clay Travis right now in the greatest fall ever as everyone has to deal with the fact that my team is the greatest in the country in college football and that my team is going to absolutely wax the Democrats and that all the Corona bros out there that have been up in arms fighting with me over the last two years are going to get a shellacking as they are overwhelmed by a red tsunami. Do I take great joy in watching my enemies suffer? Yes, I do. Am I looking forward to putting on MSNBC and CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post as they all realize that your boy has been validated and the red tsunami and the country is coming along on a new embrace of sanity? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But most importantly, Tennessee volunteers are number one, baby. And it's been a long time. You know, I didn't write online for the first time until 2004. So I've been writing online now for almost 20 years, which in the internet is like, I mean, that's like forever, right? In internet age. Um, And I've never been able to write or talk with Tennessee as the number one team in college football before. Never in 24 years Remember, your boy was only 19 the last time it happened. A lot of people out there don't even remember it. A couple of years ago, I was at the Tennessee-Georgia Tech game walking around talking to University of Tennessee kids, and they didn't even remember any of the Peyton Manning years or any of the good years in the 90s. And if those of you who haven't read, I wrote a couple of best-selling college football books that have been out for a long time now. Dixieland Land Delight, I believe, came out in 2007, and On Rocky Top came out in 2009. That was back when Tennessee was actually pretty good. And it's been a long time since that happened. So anyway, I am exulting my kids. This has been huge for turning my kids into Tennessee fans because I've been trying to tell them. Remember when you were a kid, you don't believe that anything that happened before you were a sports fan is real. It's like it feels like it might as well be ancient history. And so I tell my kids, hey, you know, Tennessee used to beat Alabama all the time. Tennessee used to be able to compete for SEC championships. Tennessee was really good. And they just don't believe me because it never really happened in their lives. And now suddenly they're like, oh, wow, Neyland Stadium is really awesome, dad. Tennessee is a really good football program. Yeah, yeah. This is what happens. Building a whole new generation. I will tell you this too. I think as a result... Tennessee is going to get white hot on the recruiting trail because, remember Clemson got hot all of a sudden because they started to win and people weren't that familiar with the program? Kids like new things. And I think Josh Heupel has been really smart, you know, with the black helmets and the black uniforms. Certainly Hendon Hooker may well win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, kids are willing to buy into something new, even if what's new used to be super popular before, there's a nostalgia factor that can blow up in a really good way when there's already an embedded fan base there. And I think that's what we're about to see with the University of Tennessee. I really do. Uh, My thoughts on the rankings, I thought Georgia should have been second. I think Georgia's resume is better than Ohio State's. Should have been Tennessee one, Georgia two, Ohio State three. It's not a major difference, but I would have flipped two and three there. Uh, I would have had Michigan four. I would have had Bama 5. I would have then had uh uh TCU 6 and Clemson 7. So I think Clemson at 4 was overseeded by the committee. I think TCU at 7 was underseated and I think Bama and Michigan were both underseated too. That's the way that I would break down my view of the college football playoff committee. But I never really get that fired up with early committee rankings. Because there's so much football left to play, right? But I will say, Tennessee and Georgia are effectively, I believe, playing on Saturday for a college football playoff berth. Because if Tennessee beats Georgia, I don't think Tennessee's gonna lose at at home to Mizzou. I don't think they're gonna lose on the road at South Carolina. And I certainly don't think Tennessee's gonna lose to Vanderbilt to finish the season uh, in what will basically be Neyland Stadium West. Tennessee fans are going to flood Vanderbilt's football stadium. I also don't think that Georgia is going to lose at Mississippi State, although that will be a relatively tough game, at Kentucky, or lose to Georgia Tech to finish the year. So whoever wins, I believe, on Saturday in Athens is going to finish 12-0, go into the SEC championship game, and be playing for seeding there. Uh, Presume Alabama, LSU, or Ole Miss is going to be there as the SEC West representative. And I don't think either, uh, uh, any of those teams other than Alabama necessarily, although we'll see with Ole Miss, uh, is very likely to be able to beat Georgia or Tennessee. Uh, But I think 12-0 Georgia or 12-0 Tennessee, regardless of what happened in the SEC championship game, would have already stamped their ticket to the college football playoff. They would just be competing for seeding. Let me give you my college football playoff picks. Um, I have got 11 winners for you. I love a lot of these picks, to be quite honest. Um, and so I will uh, break these down for you as soon as I hit refresh and they show up here in my uh, in my thread. Um, so I like Mizzou plus the points. I love the under 41 and a half, Kentucky on the road at Mizzou. I like Maryland plus the five at Wisconsin. I like Nebraska plus 16. Come on, Nebraska, you can't lose at home and not cover a 16-point line against Minnesota. I got Tennessee plus the eight and a half at Georgia. I've been giving this out for a couple of weeks now. I like Tennessee plus the points. I just broke down that game a little bit for you. I like Oklahoma State minus two and a half at Kansas. Love the over on Liberty, Arkansas. Alabama at LSU. I like the LSU plus 13 and a half. I like Mississippi State minus 12 and a half. And I like Clemson minus three and a half and then closing Vanderbilt plus seven. So if you break all these down, um, I think there are a a lot of fun games out there. I've already played some parlays. Uh, That's how confident I am right now. When things are rolling, why not play some parlays? I like UK-Mizzou under, Liberty-Arkansas over, LSU plus the points. Uh, I like... um, Uh, Mississippi State, minus the points, Vandy, Tennessee, LSU, uh, Liberty, Arkansas, UK, Mizzou, all of those. Um, And so uh, I think this is going to be a, uh, a lot of fun. Tap the veins, couple of blood banks for you this week. I really like the under in Kentucky at Mizzou. I also really like the over in Liberty at Arkansas. And I love Mississippi State to blow out Auburn as Auburn comes in with a new coach and Mississippi State has two weeks to get ready. And right after that, we'll continue the discussion, but first, a momentary break. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made steel FS-56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS-56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, Okay, where are we six days out? Six days out, I am looking at the live wagering as we speak right now. And there is a massive massive favorite for the Republicans in the House. Almost no one is even talking about the House as being an issue uh, who is paying attention to the gambling markets at all. Republicans are minus 3,000 to win the House. Uh, That is a prodigious uh, favorite. They are now minus 350 to also win the Senate. And there are a lot of different ways the Senate win could happen. Uh, but as I am speaking to you right now, what is intriguing is Republicans are favored in Arizona, Nevada, and also Georgia to flip three different Democrat seats in the Senate. Also, increasingly General Don Balduck is surging in New Hampshire and we are moving close to a situation where basically that is 50-50, uh, The point on all of this is that as these races become more competitive, there are more pathways for uh, Republicans to take control of the Senate. I would say right now, based on the gambling markets, New Hampshire, Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, and um, uh, all of those states are legitimate threats to flip. The only real state that Democrats have a potential to flip right now is Pennsylvania and Dr. Oz has opened up a fairly substantial lead in Pennsylvania now in the gambling markets. So remember, all Republicans would need to do is win two out of those five, right? Just two out of these five races when in reality all five are closely moving towards. four of them are Republican favorites. One of them are Democrat favorites. And this doesn't even conclude or include Tiffany Smiley, who we had on at 1:30 Eastern and was fantastic, and Joe O'Day, who we had on earlier this week, Washington and Colorado, somewhat competitive Senate seats as well. Uh, but the most likely bet, the most common bet right now uh, for how many Senate seats, that Republicans are going to end up with right now is 54. Now, I'm sticking to 53-47 as my prediction, but the biggest, most common bet right now is that uh, when you have to pick how many seats are going to end up for Republicans, 54 is the most common wager right now as a lot of people are expecting for New Hampshire to break into uh, the Republican camp as well. So... Uh, there are obviously tons of governor's races. We had Lee Zeldin on the show. He was fantastic. Uh, the amount of uh, of interest that he has created with Kathy Hochul. Decent chances of flips in Wisconsin, in uh, New Mexico, in Minnesota, in Michigan, in Oregon, uh, in so many states out there. There is a decent chance, New York, as I just mentioned, that we are going to have a Republican knocking off a Democrat incumbent as we are sitting six days out from now. We're going to be doing a party. Uh, Buck Sexton and I are in Nashville on election night. We'll be doing some live video for you. You can watch it at clayandbuck.com. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, We are looking forward to throwing that party. Buck's going to come into town to throw an election night party, and it looks like there's going to be a lot to uh, celebrate. Uh, So that is the uh, midterm election updates uh, as we speak right now. Joe Biden is responding to another three-quarter point interest rate increase um, that is going to put interest rates on mortgages that continue to be at 20-year highs. Um, and he's responding to highest inflation in 40 years, highest crime in the 21st century, worst border security ever, continued fallout of Democrat failures on COVID by giving yet another speech on democracy in decline. Now, what's interesting about this decision to give this speech is it's the same speech he's been given for months. And it's like Democrats are robots stuck on January 6th and threats to democracy and they can't talk about anything else. And they are failing to connect with the American public Because nobody's focused on January 6th when your grocery bills are up 13%. When gas prices are skyrocketing. And it's so tone deaf that Joe Biden keeps giving these speeches. Remember, he gave this speech on the opening Thursday night of college football season. uh, The Emperor Palpatine speech that was bright red lit. uh, And it had Marines standing in the background with him. And it's basically since he gave that speech that the overall Democrat support has collapsed. And so if you actually pay attention to this and continue to break it down, Joe Biden is the best surrogate that Republicans could ever hope for. Every time he speaks, fewer independents want to vote and support Democrats. But he's given this speech at Union Station. And you know, I went away to college in Washington, D.C. They gave me a scholarship to go to George Washington. Uh, And I spent a lot of time at Union Station during college. It's the main train station. Some of you may have been there on vacation. You may have been there visiting Washington, D.C. before. The Amtrak comes in there. The Washington, D.C. Metro comes in there. I spent a lot of time at Union Station over the years. Used to be a beautiful shopping mall. Great food court. In fact, this was the closest movie theater to us really at GW. I mean, a big movie theater. So we would go watch every movie there. I remember going to watch The Matrix there. I remember going to watch Scream. We went to movies all the time, right? Um, And what's stunning to me, what's stunning to me is, like many different parts of Democrat-run cities, it's now overrun with homelessness. All of the businesses basically have shut down in there. I mean, this used to be a jewel of a location that you would be excited to go visit, that you would be happy to take your family to. And because of Democrat policies, it's collapsed. So the fact that Joe Biden is speaking here is perfect, but also emblematic of just how tone-deaf he is. Uh so this is uh this is crazy to me tonight that this would be the Democrat response six days out. And I would tell everybody: look, by the time you get to the weekend, Virtually impossible for anything big to happen over the weekend that's going to change anything. Because most reasonable people are busy with their kids. They got sports that they're going to pay attention. The World Series is even going on tonight. Joe Biden speaking basically head-to-head with the Phillies uh, and the uh, and the Astros series. By the way, Phillies on fire. 7 nothing win last night. All these home runs. It is an electric environment to watch. Reminds me of my Braves last year. Uh, baseball a bit arbitrary and who gets hot. Phillies came in third in the NL East. Now they may well win the World Series. Astros have been in the playoffs a bunch of years in a row. So we'll see whether they can come back from down 2-1. But the fact that they would be deciding to give this speech on Wednesday night, going into the weekend, everybody's going to be paying attention to sports, and then voting's basically here. So the fact that they would be making this decision is crazy to me. And just emblematic of how broken their understanding of the American population is. And on some level, I feel like the speech tonight is motivated not to appeal to independent voters and certainly not to appeal to Republicans, but just to try to up Democrat turnout so the red tsunami is not as overwhelming as it appears it may be. In other words, it's a rearguard action designed to try to make things as, as predictably not awful as uh, as you can. Uh, the Washington Commanders are reportedly for sale. This whole story, I don't really get. Uh, and let me explain why I don't understand this story. Dan Snyder has not done a good job running the Washington Commanders, Washington Redskins, in terms of winning a lot of football games, right? It's impossible to defend the on-the-field results for the Washington football team. But from a business perspective, the Washington football team has been phenomenally lucrative for him. And so this whole idea of we're going to force him to sell the team, is it really a punishment when you get billions of dollars in profit from owning a professional sports franchise to put in your back pocket? I just, I don't understand this infatuation that comes when people are like, we're going to force him to sell the team and bank billions of dollars in profit. I mean, I'm a capitalist. I sold my company last year. I was happy to bank lots of money. Now, no one forced me to sell, right? Um, But there are a lot of people out there who run businesses that are like me and, and thinking to themselves, wait, it's not really a punishment to have a successful business and sell it. It's actually a reward. It's evidence of why capitalism is so successful. So this idea, punish me every day. If the punishment is I'm gonna make you sell a business that's worth billions of dollars and get all your money uh, for generational wealth for your family forever and you don't have to worry about it anymore owning the team. Like I just this is funny to me how sell the team becomes an insult. Sell the team. How about I'm happy to make billions of dollars. thank God for capitalism. Buying the franchise in the first place was one of the most brilliant decisions that he could have made. Um, I appreciate all of you. I will be live tomorrow as we will be five days out from the midterm elections. Uh, Interested to see what will happen uh, with Joe Biden's speech. But as we uh, are sitting here today, uh, six days out from the election, lots of fantastic directions, and things that are coming. So appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, it's the best fall of my life. Go Big Orange. The falls are number one. I'm going to party like it's 1998.